Hey everyone, welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany Blackman and welcome, welcome everyone. And I am bringing you part two, everyone, is this is my story, the story behind the story. You heard a couple of episodes ago, gosh, it's probably been about a month ago, I guess, right? We had the creator the director, and of course, a contributor with Henry Abuto. And we had on the show talking about Amphibian Stage started this fabulous documentary, art piece. There's so many things you can call it, but you have to see it and have to watch it. And you will be linked after this show to hear all about it. But I'm so blessed to bring two of the three contributors of this show that was done we have Henry Abuto. I am back. Thank you, you for having back. me. This is number three number for you, Number three right? for me in like four months. So oh, thank you for having I me. I know. And Lejean, so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. I actually met you at the premiere. Is that what we're calling yeah, it? Yeah, the premiere streaming. That was yes. the very first one, the premiere yep. streaming. When did we do that? April 1st. April 1st. So, yeah. Yes. It's such a pleasure to meet you and your fabulous wife. Thank you so much. And uh, and it's just a pleasure to have you all here. And I will say this again. Um, my heart is open. And when we had the year of 2020, we were all in, you know, n- no man's land for sure. Mm. And our world just kept spiraling, at least in the United States, for sure. Our world is as we knew it kept spiraling and the racial tension and the racial violence. And that would that I mean, Mr. Floyd, I'm just I'm blown away. And I have to say I'm embarrassed because I thought everything was okay. Mm-hmm. I did because I'm assuming Henry's told me, heard me say this before. I'm assuming I live with blinders on. Like I thought, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm friends. I love everyone. Everybody's great. I was so wrong. And when we went to the premiere, of course, during 2020, um, when everything shut down and it was awful again, all I could do was apologize. And mm-hmm. my black friends that I went to and apologize, of course, I, I'm not, it's not, I mean, it, I mean, I feel badly now. And even Devin, she was like, no, stop, stop. Mm, yeah. So when I'm, what we're doing is this is my story. And I want you both to explain what this documentary is, because you as two contributors, I can't wait to find out how you were invited to be and to belong and what your purpose is. So Henry, you want to start is exactly what the film and the documentary is? Yeah, from the best I can explain it. Um, this is my story. Asked three black men, myself, Dr. Carlos Walker and LeJohn McDonald Jr. About when they have been silenced, uh, specifically as black men uh, throughout their lives. And so you heard from Mr. McDonald uh, about an experience he had. Um, a couple of them. You heard from me. I told uh, just instances of where I was silenced by hearing racist things said to me or about me or around me or the microaggressions that I was um, experiencing in predominantly white spaces here, especially in Fort Worth and then in college where I went in East Texas. And uh, so I shared about about that and my journey to where I'm at now. And Dr. Walker opened the piece up by speaking about his experience um, with being silenced without the father role in his life, his dad. Right. Um, and so the way he opened that up and the decision he made to silence himself because of the love he did not receive or felt he did not receive. And we had poetry and music as well included in the piece that was powerful. Calvin Walker wrote, uh, performed a great piece written by, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll link it towards this and whatnot at the end of this. But yeah, so there's great poetry. Then there was music by the band. 
Um, and yeah, it was about a 36 minute runtime for the piece. And it really just painted such vivid stories in ways that you couldn't turn away. You couldn't ignore them. You have the images of Dr. Walker opening up, talking about his childhood, the family photos, and everybody relates to that universal concept, right? And then next you had me and obviously my story. And then you have Mr. McDonald close out the three spoken pieces um, or the three narratives with how I, without giving too much away, but there was one point in time that in his story, he had feared for his life. And as you're listening to this, he's sitting in the room with me on chills and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, is he going to be okay? I'm like, okay, he's okay. He's like, he's alive next to me over here, Mm -hmm. but just hearing the story and what a beautiful storyteller you are too. And a beautiful gifted writer because it captivated me. And I was like, wow, it brought it so real and just to life. And yeah, so this is my story is just a wonderful documentary film, visual piece that uh, describes, I think, things that black men and black people have felt. And it gave words that maybe they previously haven't had to describe their experiences. And I know it did for me as I was hearing Dr. Walker speak, because I was hearing the poetry being recited, because I was hearing Miss McDonald speak. It's like, okay, this is healing. It was healing for me mm, to mm. watch it and participate in that way. And uh, I hope it was just useful for everybody else that saw it. And so that's kind of what this is my story is from my perspective. Miss McDonald, what do you think? You know, it, it's interesting how life itself uh, unfolds, uh, how a moment in time can be that life-changing moment mm-hmm. or that period piece in your uh, life. And, and that's what happened when I saw the news that night and I called Kathleen and uh, I said, listen, what I just saw was incredible. We want to have a conversation around what we just saw. Can you and give the, them background on what you saw on the news? The, that prompted Okay. The call? So Officer David Yancey, in the midst of the protest, in the midst of the controversy and confusion, decided to take a knee. And I thought that was simply incredible because the uniqueness of him being an African-American male in uniform and trying to bring healing to a community is very significant because the the controversy surrounding taking a knee itself has Mm -hmm. given voice and given conversation and that kind of thing. But when you see it in the moment, and and it's what I said in the film, uh, can you imagine the discipline that it takes to ask for permission? mission to do something life-changing. And and I, I, I think about that. You know, it's not to disrupt or be inconsiderate or unkind. It's because you're vested. You know, people who are not vested in making society better don't really care how they approach other people, don't care about the sensitivity of other people. So they go really through life in a rambunctious way, destroying instead of building. Mm. And and that's difficult to see, mm. especially if you are a builder and you want to see people prosper and do well and you have respect for their journey. So that moment brought us to here. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought I would be in a studio having a conversation <laughs> with Tiffany mm-hmm. and with you, Henry, yeah. because this is about our third exchange. Yeah. And when the film happened, 
I hadn't met anyone but Kathleen, mm -hmm. and she is a jewel. She mm -hmm. is a jewel. She is so kind and considerate of other people, much like you, Tiffany, heart open, mm -hmm. just want to have the conversation, mm -hmm. you know, and everybody has a story. So, you know, everybody has a story. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, the people that say that you don't have a story, everyone has a story, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, with coach Walker opening up in his, his, I thought about, I was a teacher, a, a, a teacher at one point and mm -hmm. the children that went through what he went through, going home, waiting, you're, you're waiting on your father oh, or mother to yeah. pick you up and you're waiting in your fabulous jeans, your new blue yeah. jeans and yeah. waiting and never, and your mother knows or your father knows. And mm -hmm. I get chills thinking about this because that hit Every population, mm -hmm. everyone can have a broken yeah. home. Yeah. Of course, mm -hmm. we all can understand that mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we possibly have walked in each other's shoes. Yeah. And, you know, I, we've, we've, we've talked about not walking each other's shoes. I haven't walked in your shoes mm -hmm. at all, never will, and, and vice versa. But you're right. I mean, it was such an opening experience. And it was just, what was the word you used at the beginning of the show? You, it was just like, it, it just, it just hit. I mean, it just, it hit. I mean, it was just I'm like. Blanking on the word. I know, I but know. But when you I, start, we were talking before. Yeah. We talked too much before the show. But, every <laughs> but time. I think way the beauty of, I didn't even find out that they intentionally planned on ordering the film that way until we were here last time having a conversation about it. By, by having Dr. Walker open it up, it disarmed everybody in the preconceived notions of what they would have because this is my story. Ultimately, this is all our story. This should be all our story. We should be empathizing. We should be feeling. We should be walking alongside. So by having Dr. Walker, Coach Walker, open up and share just a story of familial heartbreak, sadness, and then ultimately their redemption with him and his father mm. and that. And then him coming full circle now as a father. As a father. With his boys and then his marriage. Oh, it was, it immediately disarmed and opened up the audience for whatever was coming next. Because and it's like, okay, if we can hear that story and see it, yeah. we can see ourselves. We, we're somebody in that story. Every Absolutely. single one of us is somebody in that initial story. And it's so many layers to the mm. project. Oh. You know, just the aspect of no one really knowing one another and the stories coming together as if we had known uh, each other I, I for a while. It. I have to and, and, you know, you, so couldn't, you couldn't plan it. You, yeah. you couldn't plan it. And that is absolutely fascinating. And the diversity that is incorporated within the stories. Yeah. I remember, like I said, I remember, yeah. you know, that was so powerful and eloquent how you did that, you know, Thank you. and, and my response when the show was done, I just wanted to embrace you because mm -hmm. I say this is this is a part of it, the connectivity. Oh yeah, you know? and we did because yeah. In case the audience doesn't know, Miss McDonald and I had not met no, prior and you to hugged. the yeah. screening when yeah. we just got done, and I just yeah. walked in and I just hugged him and I just started yeah. crying because it's like we know what got it, it I meant. Got it. Yeah, yeah, we we know what it meant, and to have that connectivity in the sense of from different walks of life, different backgrounds, but something connecting us mm. in, in, in allowing us to have a conversation. Look at, look at where we are, you know, oh. having the opportunity to meet you is, is oh. fascinating. And, back, and, and Tiffany, we talked afterwards mm -hmm. and I remember saying, 
you're not responsible for fixing, but your participation is very much needed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just so that you can promote the conversation. And that's cool. You know, I didn't have an agenda after, you know, we did the film. I, I didn't have no plan. So I'm open. Right, right. And I honestly I'll go back to the end of the film. And I, my daughter and I was blessed to be invited to the first premiere of the film. And, um, I didn't know you didn't know each other. No. <laughs> I mean, after the after the film, they're just, everyone's. I mean, everyone's very emotional. It was very emotional, and um, and you just embraced. And I was like, wait, do you not know each other? No. Yeah. So <laughs> so how it was filmed? If I'm if you've listened to, to part one, it you weren't you never met, so you had different because we were during the co during COVID, yeah. correct? Yes. So you were filming separately. Sep filming separately in various locations. Yeah. What in- month and where did you record? I know you were downtown. I saw yeah, some of I that. was downtown and I, I think what uh, it aired April. I mean, we had been working on the project for some time. Have you? And yes. And, and I forget the month actually that I filmed it. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, you it know, was during COVID, of course, but we was, forget everything. You know, it mm-hmm. was, but it turned out so well Ugh. because she wanted to initially film in a church setting, but I wanted to say, I don't want to go in a religious tenure in this because this is all we need to embrace everybody. And I don't want to be divisive in speaking to those things as it relates to this. So I took a different approach uh, in this. And when we did the film, the approach was let's use a universal approach because it needs to be understood universally. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I was, but it turned out so beautifully because it was during COVID and there was no one uh, downtown. It was early. Right. And so- and it was a shot at the courthouse. I love that in the yeah, background. Yeah. Symbolically, uh, you yeah. know, to me, symbolically, and the cameraman did a wonderful job. Weren't they great? And, and I was telling Kathleen, like you all talked about in the last episode, I said, the sensitivity, you mm-hmm. know, usually will lend commentary to a situation and it's exploited, it's twisted and turned around mm-hmm. and said, I didn't intend to say that. That didn't, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like that in this film. It, it wasn't yeah. like that. It, it, it was beautifully done. Yeah. If I can ask you a question, because I don't know the answer to this. Um, were you, so after you filmed, were you continuously involved with them in the editing process or feedback? No. Yeah, same here. Because no. I filmed it. I just like you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just like you. And, and that's what's so fascinating about it. You know, yeah. how can a project with so many collaborations come together so beautifully oh. and organically and still keep the content and the intent in check. Oh, for I, sure. I thought that that's what, cause I'm hypercritical of the things that I say and, and I, I want the intent to be understood. Right. Sure. So I'm very careful about that. And when you put information out there, you lose control. Oh, absolutely. Oh. Yes. Oh, and that terrifies to, me. So right. yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. people can take it and run yeah. with it. And yeah. so Kathleen sends me, because all we got beforehand was each of our individual clips. So like my oh. eight minute segment, yeah. I got a preview of that beforehand. You did. The okay. rough cut. So at least I saw my segment. She's like, do you have any notes or edits? I said, the only thing I'm saying is do not change a thing. Do not touch yeah. this. It could not have turned out better had I like told you what to do wow. step by step. That's great so, because I felt the same way yeah. and I'm hypercritical. I watched it oh. to pick it apart intentionally, mm-hmm. but there was nothing that I could say because it was so authentic. Everybody 
was just authentic in that, you know, and uh, the coaching. I remember Jennifer doing the coaching yes, for so you us. Yes, Jennifer as well. Okay, yeah, awesome. I sure yeah. did, you know, and I was going in a different direction and she coached me to a point and I said, the more I rehearse this, yes. the more it loses its natural feel. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right, right? Yep. kind of so what you expect, yep. what, the more it loses its natural feel. So I just stopped rehearsing after a while and I said, it is what it is mm-hmm. because I'm not trying to uh, doctor it. It's not a performance. It. Right. It's yeah. not a performance. Mm-hmm. So it, it can't be coached to a certain point. So, you know, that's that's what it was. Yeah. I mean. You it, know, and I keep trying to label. I keep trying. And that's good. It's not a performance. No, no. It's not. not it's not, not. It's not acting. Not. It was yeah. raw and yeah. it was fabulous. I mean, yeah. I can't. I just, I can't even reiterate now. And then I found out she didn't know each other. That just blows me away. I mean, okay. So let's back up. How Mm -hmm. were you invited to be a participant, a a contributor to this? How? How did this happen? So go ahead. Do you want to? Announcements for me, it was easy. Devin Goodman, she's on the board in Vivian and she's a good friend of mine. And so she was like, hey, with hey. them, I'm help. I'm putting this thing <laughs> together with this guy named John McDonald. Have you heard of him? I was like, no. She's like, have you heard of the officer thing? I was like, yes, briefly, but there was so much going on last summer. I was like, girl, what is it? What do you want me to do? Okay. <laughs> how, so, how, how, yes. many, how much do I need to cook? Uh-huh. And so she's like, because I'm thinking about work. And she's you like, are. oh, no, I'd love for you to participate in this and tell you a story of when you've been silenced. And I was like, okay. I said, yes, that was in June. And then didn't think about it till September because then I got an email from Kathleen. And I was like, what is this lady emailing me about? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I got involved. So. That's how you got involved. I, I've been involved with Kathleen for a couple of years now. Uh, we work on other projects together. Uh, we do Shakespeare in Jail uh, in the Veterans Pod in the Tarrant County Treatment Court. Love that. Uh, I'm also a mentor with the Tarrant County uh, Treatment Court, the diversion program for veterans. Mm. So the reason why I connect to that is veteran is a universal language. Mm-hmm. When you talk about a military veteran, mm-hmm. you're talking about someone who comes from a diverse culture, mm-hmm. uh, someone who uh, understands discipline, teamwork, uh, self-sacrifice, and in that universal principle of the veteran. So my story relates to that quite easily because What's happening with us is a universal principle of humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have a story. So I've been working with Kathleen for a couple of years now, and I'm happy to say I am now a board member with Amphibia. So, awesome. so we've we've done some work together on some previous projects. And because her heart is open, she said, Come as you are, you know, come as you are. Come as you are. So explain who Kathleen is for the, for those, those that are listening to this for the first time. So Uh, Kathleen is the creative and artistic uh, director for Amphibian uh, Stage Production, uh, 120 uh, South Main, Mm -hmm. uh, downtown Fort Worth, which they're in their 21st year. What? 21st year. And uh, she has done some amazing things. (gasps) Her resume. uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you know because oh. uh, we didn't get to talk about this. But so two of the guys I brought in here to record on my podcast mm-hmm. with Paul and Tony and I, and Kathleen 
had been one of their teachers when they were at theater kids at TCU that interned on projects with Amphibian and stuff like that. No. So I post a picture of like Amphibian and this is my story and Kathleen. They're like, how do you know Kathleen? And I was like, oh yeah, I've been working on this project with her. All my friends were shook. <laughs> were You're like, kidding. What? And I was like, the world just kept getting smaller and smaller. People I've known for like 15 years have known her since they were teenagers as well. Okay. And then coach Walker you were, he was your. He, yeah, he was my high school track coach and algebra teacher and at, Dep- at Pascal. Pascal yes. and was the other contributor that couldn't join us this evening. Yes. But. And uh, Devin Goodman and him both work um, in education. And so that's how they know each other. So she reached out to him and asked him to participate. And he said yes. So. And didn't you say that the evening of the show? Hey, that's Coach Walker. Oh, I was freaked out. My sister sends me the trailer. And I was like, what is my track coach doing in this trailer? Yeah, and one, surprised. why does my sister have this? Because I never told her I was involved in the project. So, like, yeah. my sister saw the trailer before I did. She did? Yeah. And so Coach Walker had sent it to her. And then I was just like, what? And then so I texted him. I was like, Coach, did you know I was in this? He's like, nope. I just now found out as well. And so I was like, this is crazy. So crazy. Yeah. It's oh, so sweet. crazy. Yeah. It was a really world. full circle moment. It was sweet. Small world. Well, and you said at the beginning before when we were talking mm-hmm. at Lejean, bitter. Okay. Better is. No. No. Say, I, I keep saying it wrong. You know, life on life's terms, there are going to be circumstances and situations that happen. But I'm really convinced that the things that happen to us are designed to make us better instead of bitter. Mm. And and there are so many life lessons involved in the things uh, that have happened to us. And I look back on my life and it has helped me to become a better person, a better individual. And uh, I'm conscious of that. So even with this film, uh, any project like this, that I know that there is some good that's going to come out of it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not to be divisive. It's to be conversational, mm-hmm. engaging, mm-hmm. because we should be evolved, you know, to the point where, okay, I understand we don't agree, but we can agree to disagree. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it doesn't take anything. I mean, what makes your life more valuable than mine? Uh, your experiences less worthy and not worthy than mine, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I like experiences, both good and bad, and we will have those, but it's what we do with them. See, what mm-hmm. I took away from uh, Dr. Walker's uh, uh, monologue was the fact that he is super resilient. Mm. And he took a bag of lemons and made a whole big mm. batch of lemonade. Okay. <laughs> pouring it out. And throughout. serving it up. Yeah. You it know, is. like that. And, and that's what it's all about. You know, as circumstances are going to happen, but what we do with them, that expresses our evolution. Mm. You know, our evolving. You know, we're so... Uh, educated. We're so fortunate. We have so many things going for us. So if we could uh, develop the humanity piece, I think we would really be more uh, accomplished, Mm -hmm. you know, because when you see what you see in the film or what I saw the image of what happened to George Floyd. I know these things happen often, but it was just seeing it in your face, blatant, uh, you like, here you go. It. Yeah, like, like here you go. You know, this is it. And uh, I'm not trying to justify any wrongdoing, but that's why we have a justice system, right? 
that that we can go through the process, the due process, and receive fur treatment. So if that's not the case, then we've got to rewrite some things and call it what it is. Mm. You know, because if we if we say, well, okay, this is a it's an apple. It doesn't look like an apple, okay. <laughs> you know, it, you know, uh, but anyway, that's, that's just one of the things. And yeah, let me ask you a question um, okay. while I have you. I'm stopping at Tiffany's shoes here for no. a minute. Um, you know you can. Yes. So You can wear my pink shoes. Okay. I don't know if I can, I don't <laughs> know if I can fit those, but yes. Okay. Good color. She has great <laughs> shoes on, y'all. But um, so I think part of the narrative of police work and then military experience and you come from military background obviously um and thank you so much for your service by the way too so yes um, u.s navy correct? you're welcome that's yeah. correct yes. yes and sometimes i think when black people have joined the military it's often it has been because coach walker was in the military as well it has been a way out of a different life or a chance to mm-hmm. accomplish something different than you previously wouldn't have gotten had you not taken another out mm-hmm. and so as someone who's been in the military served as a veteran and you see a video like we saw, was it a month ago, two months ago, mm-hmm. of the young man who was in uniform and the police pull him over and he has this interaction that's terrible. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we've always thought, a oh, uniform would shield us if I just achieve mm-hmm. this within mm-hmm. this space, then mm-hmm. it'll protect me from this. Mm-hmm. And to also see that visual of, oh, this didn't protect me, could not but help but make me think of your stories. I was hearing that, mm-hmm. watching that news piece, because I just watched your piece. It came out maybe a couple weeks before. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I wonder if that's what you thought in that day when, oh, maybe my military experience, my background would have me and this officers connect in a way that since I wasn't a civilian in a prior life, that maybe there'd be a commonality that would spare me here. And then to have a gun put in your face, mm-hmm. did that shatter the illusion of this uniform would protect me or the service would? I like the way you use the word illusion mm-hmm. simply because we can be deceived about what racism looks mm-hmm. like for me. And I can only speak for me. Mm-hmm. Hatred is more of a spirit than it is a physical. Mm-hmm. It, it, it manifests itself in a physical form, but hatred can't be killed with a bullet. Mm-hmm. So you could put it in uniform, but it's still going to conduct itself, behave itself in its designed agenda. Hmm. So I'm not under the illusion that it's a physical thing that's mm-hmm. happening. That That's just me. Mm-hmm. So when... Things happen, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It's what it does. Mm-hmm. You, you see, so I'm not under the illusion that uh, my military I- experience shielded me mm-hmm. from what happened to me, mm-hmm. right? And it's twofold. I had something to do with it. If I hadn't have been there at that place, at that time, doing those things, that may not have happened to me. Mm-hmm. But I still have the freedom to be human, mm-hmm. right? And and not to uh not to say, well, I can't do this because I'm afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. So if that makes sense. It does, but I want to touch on what you said. Okay. Um, not that I don't like what you said. I don't like how someone could interpret what you said. Um, that had you not been racing or doing this, you wouldn't have been in the situation. 
for sure. We can say that. But I think someone could hear that and be like, well, see, he just said if he wasn't doing the wrong thing, that wouldn't have happened to him. There's plenty of black people who don't do the wrong thing. Things like that happen to them. So I don't want someone to hear you say that. Hence the illusion. Mm -hmm. Hence the illusion that you don't have to be doing something wrong Mm -hmm. for something bad to happen to you. Mm -hmm. But the behavior that's perpetrated, it's not from a physical force Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Lejean, explain your story exactly what you, you explained on This Is My Story. Kind of give us an, an idea because you and I are the same generation. Yes. And um, I can imagine. See, I thought everything was not like the generation you and I grew up in. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And mm-hmm. I have blinders on. Obviously. You thought we had evolved 1, from that behavior? Okay. I did. Yeah. I did. And that's... Um, That is probably ignorant of me. But certainly there are opportunities uh, for us all out there, right? Mm -hmm. Some we create, some that are given to us as opportunities. Me having the opportunity to even go into the military was a privilege simply because previous generations really didn't have that opportunity to a certain extent, right? So this idea of patriotism and wanting to serve my country, I like, I like that idea, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so me going into the military was just, I look at it as an opportunity, you know, as a, as a privilege even, but, you know, uh, being in that, so Repeat the question. <laughs> so, so your story, but okay, you you grew up in Indiana. You were born in Indiana. I was born in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Kentucky. I'm yes. sorry. And there was Indiana. And, and there's somewhere. And I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you went into the military, the Navy. You were on a ship. Yes. And USS Fort McHenry. You were in Desert Shield. A Desert Shield, Desert Storm. See, I know this because I grew up at the same time. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know exactly uh-huh. when you were. Yeah. So then your story for what you told on this is on the on the documentary. Tell us about what you shared with everyone on the documentary. Yeah. So my wife is originally from Memphis, Tennessee. And when I separated from the military, I went to we moved to Memphis, Tennessee Mm -hmm. to kind of rebuild and and live. But it was just out of uh, the something happened that everything lined up. And a friend that I served aboard the USS Fort McHenry with happened to be at the radio store, the car radio store, the same time I was. And like we both had uh, new vehicles, you know, young. I was in my 20s at the time, (laughs) you know. And like I said, you know, we hadn't seen each other because the last time I saw him, the ship was still in the Gulf of Oman. And he was stationed in Millington, Tennessee now. So when we saw each other, you know, we just... Picked up and started having a good time, you know, start having a good time. So, you know, when we got in our vehicles, we took off down Highway 51, just going to, you know, have a good time. We were racing and stuff and the police pulled him over on the left and pulled me over on the right. And uh, so by the time I could get out the car, he had already approached the car And uh, he had the gun up to my throat and said, it's a good day for dying, isn't it? You Mm -hmm. know, and he had no, you know, no humanity, no humanity, no humanity. And so my son's car seat, Cody, and he's also in the film. You had a son at the time. Yeah. Yeah. My my son's car seat was in the car. My son wasn't in the car, but it turned out my son, they wrote the song for 
my story. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so he's featured in there as well. But uh, when he saw the car seat, I think maybe we had something there. Wait, was gonna- is your son in the band? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh my Cody. gosh, Cody! <laughs> I did Cody. not know that till yeah, this Cody. moment. Yeah, Cody. Yeah, Cody. You did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. It's, it's layers the evolution to it. Here. Oh yes, it's layers to it. But you know, revisiting uh, that situation isn't my point of emphasis. You know what I mean? Right. It, it, because it happened. Uh, I was able to survive it, but it still doesn't lessen the impact emotionally Mm -hmm. and psychologically Mm -hmm. for me. So when I revisit it, it's not really a comfortable thing that I'm Mm -hmm. I'm revisiting. Right. Because what you're asking, um, and I said this in my piece about when black people share their experiences, you're you're often asking them to relive their trauma. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine every time you share that story, you think about it for a longer period of time than normal. It has to be like you're almost stepping back into that space and that person. Mm-hmm. And you shared, I don't know if it was either in the film or when we were, you happened to be speaking somewhere that I saw, um, where you said you still, just like when you see a police officer or when you see something. Have an involuntary yes. reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, more than anybody, my wife of 32 years has seen me evolve. She's seen me go through mm-hmm. a lot of growth. Uh, and experiences. But yeah, you know, it, when I'm riding with her, she could tell when there's a police officer nearby because I make that, you know, I rub my thigh and, <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. grunt, that kind of thing. And sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't, but more times than not, I do, you know. But like I said in the film, it's embarrassing. It's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about that because. It's not something that I I wish to revisit, you know? It doesn't define you. It, it does doesn't not. define. There you go. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't define, define me. And Thank I'm, you. I'm hearing that and I'm and I'm listening to what you're saying and that's what exactly what you say. You know, um you were just mentioning when you bring up something from the past, I have had a rough past and I have talked about it on my, my uh, podcast and my very young made foolish mistakes, foolish, mm-hmm. foolish mistakes. And I ta- have talked to therapists on the show and, oh, I wish I, I'm so embarrassed and I just wish I hadn't done that. And I was just, I hate that person and not let that little girl live mm-hmm. and move on. But we still have that PTSD, but it doesn't define me anymore, but it's still, I don't want to talk about it. Like it yeah. makes me like what you're saying, Lejean, I, I don't want to talk about it. That's not what this is about. You know what I mean? It's, yes. And I understand. So I can certainly relate to how you're feeling about that. Of well, course. thank you. And I'm glad that Jennifer recognized it as well as coaching me through the process mm-hmm. because she's a therapist also. Is she? And, mm-hmm. and, and so it was very therapeutic. Ah. They were very mindful of how we felt in sharing this experience and they wanted to capture the essence of what it meant. And I, oh, yeah. I, I think they did. I think they get, did a good job in doing that. You know, for sure. There were some days when I would like we, her and I would be on zoom and I would just be like, look, I cannot step in this emotional space right now. And so, because it's going to take me back to something I don't experience or relive, so I'm not going to do that. And she'd be like, okay. I was like, close down laptop. I was like, I'll talk to you next week. Right. And there were days that she could just tell. She's like, it seems like you don't want to go somewhere right now. And I'm like, I don't. Yeah. So. And she was coaching you guys. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's great. And so, yes. Kathleen, 
What a gift, she was right? very she was very concerned and and we're better I can speak for me I'm a better person because of this experience really I really am the conversations I've had the people that I've met mm-hmm. uh during this process it and, and I embrace it because it's what it's all about you know being in in nice spaces and nice places it should be like this you know yeah. what I mean because really we come from nobility you know we come from nobility and and so to be accustomed to good things happening you know i'm starting to embrace that yeah that's something you know? i don't deal with well either cuz like i've lived a life um that i can share another time but like my life is not a life that good things happen to me or for me but the lord in his grace and mercy has con- continuously just shown and revealed things and made things happen that he made a way out of no way. He's a way maker, but participating in this is my story. I remember the impact of it didn't hit me what we were doing till after. And I think partially that was because we'd never all interacted. We'd never seen the final product. We didn't know who was participating. We didn't know what we were talking about. And so I just showed up in this theater and like, okay, I'm going to essentially watch my clip and watch whoever else is in this. And I remember after we all were at the premiere, the three of us, and Kennedy and Tony and some of my other friends. Um, I remember getting in my car because oftentimes when I f- feel overwhelmed about something, I'm like, okay, let me remove myself from the situation. And so, so I can go gather my thoughts. And so I went to grab dinner with my friends and I left early. I got my check and I left and I went home and I sat in my driveway and I love journaling. So I always have journals around me and like, this is one of the ones that was in my car. And I remember writing, this is going to be one of the most profound experiences of my life. This is my story. Like, and I was like, I want to remember that because oftentimes I have delayed emotional responses to something that happens in my life. I don't really see the significance of it till much later, but I knew in that moment after watching the first time, the film of all of us, I was like, this is going to be something that shapes my life. And today is going to be a defining moment in the story of Henry Wasonga Buto's life overall. Mm -hmm. And I knew that just after watching the one thing of it and mm-hmm. so very good mm-hmm. yeah 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 one. yeah very good you know s- simply because i feel the same way mm-hmm. i have evolved beyond that situation mm-hmm. and this is the defining piece to that chapter uh-huh you know yes it's the bookend to that address it process it move on mm-hmm. you know what's next i mean uh because so much has happened since that time but having the opportunity to talk about it really has been uh therapeutic for me yeah therapeutic Healing. for me yeah and yeah again for me i mean it's no stranger anyone who listens to your show that i've said i'm a believer and so um it's just been really interesting to see how God, our God is God of redemption and he uses things. He works, all things work together for our good, y'all. He can use a story that Lejean experienced in the late eighties, early nineties, and can bring that story back 30 years later. The story happened. I wasn't even born when that story happened. 30 something years later, Lejean and I can sit here, Miss McDonald, excuse me, can sit here and have this conversation and I can experience healing from his story and he can experience healing from mine. Yeah. And what a testament to the fact that all things can work for greater good. And like he just said, those are the defining moments. All those experiences I had that I said, I remember the fact that I've got to use them in this piece and in a way that helps people learn and understand and grow. That's a defining moment to me getting kicked out of a house because I'm black, not this. The story is you getting people to open their eyes about, um, 
interactions with the police that might feel different for people of color than they do for our white counterparts. That's a defining moment, not the fact that you had a gun to your throat. Yeah. So just the bookend moments that this is my story is allowed to give. It's like, okay, now there's closure to some of this and we can talk about this in a way that, because you're almost now removed from it because you're like, as you're talking about it, you're no longer in that space because it's been used for greater good on this side. Oh, absolutely. Once it's documented, that's it. That's it. it. It's it, it, it's there, you know, it's a work of art, you know, as you all have mentioned before, you know, like an artist does a piece, you may never meet the artist, but it's hanging on the wall mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. They don't have to tell you the work that they put into it because it's evident right there. And so that's, that's the documentation for me. And once that happened and I saw it, I'm like, okay, I'm good. You know, mm-hmm. really I'm, I'm good because in, in the course of my day to day, I, I'm a builder. I, I help and I want people to live uh, the best possible opportunities they have. And when you work around uh, a person who is uh, maybe substance use, mental health, they don't have maybe the mindset or the coping skills or the resources to say, I am somebody, I matter. You know, Mm -hmm. and uh, when somebody is able to encourage them to do better, uh, it's based on the pain. Mm -hmm. You know, um, pride doesn't produce uh, compassion. Pain does. Mm. You see, and and that's the thing about it. You know, when you have uh, pain in your life, you can be more compassionate. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Where are we with the younger generation where are we with the, the kid, the younger children? And how old are your children? So my oldest is uh, 35. Mm-hmm. My middle is 30. Uh, my youngest is just turned 26. 26. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. And so my my children are grown and uh, out of the house now. Right. They're, they're adults. But I will say this about my children. They know they are loved. They know that they are cared for. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gives them a sense of stability in this life. But the thing that, that make me cry, the, <laughs> but, but, but the thing that I appreciate the most, they are individual thinkers. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, they are not buying into a lot of the things that they see uh, on social media, that they see in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. They are independent thinkers. They think for themselves. And, because that's mom and dad there. Well, you know, yeah, 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 absolutely. I, uh-huh. I think that has Parenting. something to do with, yeah. I think that has something to do with it. Of course it, you know? it does. Of course it I does. I know the last time y'all were on, y'all talked for like uh, an uh, hour or something, but I, I, I'm... Hour and 36 minutes. Oh, yeah. I see. And, oh, and, yeah. that, and that was more interesting than what I bring to the table. That's you not know, true. But that's that, not that true. That yeah. is not true. There's plenty but, but you I, bring on the table I, that I, I do need to you. know. You're in the you're 30s, so mm-hmm. let's go to the 20s and teens. Where are their hearts? I mean, and I know it. Ha- you yeah. can't define just one. Yeah. But do we have anger? As I I'm- think they have. I'm seeing these kids. I really get chills, but I keep getting chills during this conversation. It's interesting. Me too. But, um, they have this. They don't have time for BS. They don't have time yeah. for nonsense. These kids are going to be outspoken. They're going to be bold. I mean, yeah. I saw so many of the marches that were happening last year and this year. They were being led by uh, college students, high school yeah. students, kids in their early 20s. I mean, yeah. they just have no fear. It's like yeah. we see unjust and we're going to take mm. our role 
And we're going to use the spaces we occupy and the voices we have to amplify these things that we say matter and that we have been misled about, that we have been lied to, or that we have been shielded from. They want to speak truth to power. And it's so encouraging watching um, yeah. even kids who are a decade younger than me. I'm like, okay, go on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They could probably learn how to play the long game sometimes yeah. for sure. Cause I think they can be short sighted <laughs> in how they approach some things, but that comes with youth for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, one of the most interesting conversations I had the other day was with a 20 year old yeah. who was actually downtown Dallas. And this is a Caucasian male. Mm-hmm. But his heart is open in terms mm-hmm. of how he views the world mm-hmm. because he said, my parents never taught me hate, mm-hmm. but it shows in the way he received. And he, his uh, life was, he was in the minority company. He grew up going to predominantly black schools. Wow. And, mm-hmm. and, and so, okay. yeah. And so uh, when he shared that, I said, wow, this is incredible. But the pictures that he captured during that protest was incredible. And so they're engaging. Uh, mm. They are still creative. They are still resilient, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't put everybody in the in the basket, just like with, with us in our generation, you can't put everybody in the basket because some will, some won't, who next? You know, right. is that, you know, that's so, right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And yeah, to what you said about their creativity, I mean, these kids have whole movements on TikTok and stuff like that, the mm-hmm. way they get information out. I'm like, okay, I'm 31, so I'm certainly like younger, yeah. Yeah. but I'm like, Oh, these kids like doing things that I'm like, I'm too old for this. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. There's a, but, we are tired. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's right. nice to see them take up the mantle. I remember, I think I told this story here or, no, I told it at Amphibian last week. But when I was downtown at the protest last summer, there was an older black woman there who had to be in her 80s. And she was talking about the march on Selma, on Selma Bridge. Wow. And, uh, and she's still there in her late 80s, marching, protesting. And I remember thinking, my God, the patience and the resilience she has. And sometimes resilience, like, I don't like how we use that word sometimes because it's like sometimes people don't need to be resilient. They just need to be allowed to be. But so she's sitting there and there were some other people that were trying to disrupt her talking and whatnot. And I saw this one young black girl grab the megaphone. It's like, y'all need to be quiet. Y'all need to listen to our elders. We can learn more from her. And so she gave her the megaphone and the lady spoke to what I said last week when Dr. Walker and I were presenting the film was I'm even participating in this and sharing those things so that my seven-year-old niece does not have to one day participate in a documentary like the one I just had to be in. That's my it. seven-year-old niece does not have to go downtown Fort Worth and hold up a sign that says Black Lives Matter because 22 years from now, she'll be my age, she'll be 31. And oh my God, I hope that this generation has moved us past something like that 22 years from now. Um, so I feel hopeful. Do you when think I it will? Some, what do you think? I don't. Mm, I think as long as we are human, we're going to be fallible. And as long as that are divisive spirits uh, in the world, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be challenges for us. But what we do is we evolve and we become better because mm-hmm. of our experiences. That's all it's about. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't planning to be a, a part of a project like this. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my intention. 
I just wanted to do something. Mm -hmm. And sitting on the couch wasn't getting it for Mm -hmm. me, right? And it wasn't about me because I wasn't even intending to be. It was Mm -hmm. about Officer David Yancey Mm -hmm. and that what he did. And I just wanted to be uh, just an onlooker learning Mm -hmm. and observing. But I believe each time we do get better. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really do because the challenges that my and see my grandfather was a triple nickel he was uh army airborne mm-hmm. and they call him this he's a smoke they call him smoke jumpers and the equipment that they gave them when they were jumping out of the airplanes was not very good at all mm. it was similar to a football helmet in like a life vest or whatever but the thing that I take away now, the equipment that we use, and mm-hmm. we are evolving. If mm-hmm. if if that makes sense. Yeah. Let me ask both of y'all a question. Okay. Since y'all are in a generation above me, or you okay. slightly ish. above me. Ish. Yeah. Ish. Um, Be kind now. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So less than a generation separated for sure, because my parents are older than both y'all. So y'all are younger than my parents. Um, Whenever we do make progress forward, do y'all think that sometimes can that can allow people to get complacent thinking, okay, the work is done? Because for me, for example, I remember uh, I was 18 years old um, when Barack Obama got elected president of the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. Truly, I remember sitting in my college dorm room in 2008, shocked, because I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I really thought I'd never see a black president of the United States in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. But what now I can say, 13, however long, 13, 14 years ago, removed from that now, is that I think that allowed the country, and I've actually seen this written all over Facebook back in the day, that we are now a post-racist country or America's past racism because we have elected a black president. When I was like, if that anything, that threw gasoline on the fire, if anything, um, that we can see. That's a misnomer. That's a misnomer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you think, both of y'all, do you think as we make progress, we tend to get complacent at the same time in terms of change? Well, what you just said, just I, I I thought Barack Obama being mm-hmm. president, I thought we have moved forward. Mm-hmm. Blinders here, right? I was wrong. You guys disagree with me, right? I, I can't say that we, it, it's difficult to explain. That's why I, these conversations are challenging. But let me say this. I don't have the luxury of being complacent. Mm-hmm. See, so complacency is not even. So let me rephrase that question. Yeah. Do you think it allows white people to be complacent because they think progress has been made? Well, if it's not impacting you, you won't have any sensitivity about it. Okay. So, that. so when you see these images manifest in front of you now, You've got a conscious decision whether you're going to do something about it, put the blinders on, or just accept things as they are. You know, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So that's why I say some will, some won't. Who's next? There's going to still be in this coming generation people who have been taught to hate other people Mm -hmm. just based on how they look. Mm -hmm. So you can't fix hatred, but we have to be aware and understand it, call it what it is. And what I say is we don't have to deputize it, commission it and endorse it. Mm -hmm. We don't have to give it a badge, Mm -hmm. you know, so there has to be some processes in place to say, listen, um, 
your profile and how you're dealing with psychologically, you know, how you're dealing psychologically and your upbringing, you tend to have or be biased towards different people. Mm. So you're not, you, you, you don't meet the criteria. Mm-hmm. You can, you can go into somebody's background and see what their makeup is. For right. Sure. Yeah. So that's a, that, that's my piece, but I only speak for me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not speaking for anyone, just me. You don't have mm-hmm. to deputize it, put a badge on it, commission it and endorse it mm-hmm. because that person is not going to protect me. That person is going to put a gun up to my throat. Mm-hmm. Now that's what that's what the upsetting part of it is. Mm-hmm. You know, people that's designed to protect and serve end up doing things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I agree with that. I do too. I I do too. I think if you give someone a badge and a gun, that there is a population and th- I'm not I'm not generalizing at all. Mm-hmm. But but my husband and I talk about it often. You know, I I, I look at young men and women that serve in, in that, are in the, the, I mean, yeah, law enforcement. Like, and yeah. I'm just like, why? What? Y'all, I know somebody in the police department there. I, Cause I know her personally with high school with her. There is no way this woman should have a gun on a badge. And she has one every single day. And it's the most terrifying thing that whenever I think about this woman, the fact that she walks around with a gun to protect and serve when she does the exact opposite in her official capacity as well. Absolutely terrifying to me. So I think there has to be, you know, and that this is a different podcast. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah, that's a, but this is a different one. podcast, but <laughs> there has to be, I mean, my husband said there's not the training. I mean, it has to be, you're in the military, you're, you're military. I mean, mm-hmm. the training, the training, the training, mm-hmm. I mean, mental training, physical training. I mean, it, it ha- and, and of course I'm certainly, I'm a chef. I mean, I mm-hmm. do not know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but I'm just assuming I'm like, I, no, it, it I don't understand What's Does and who training... would want to be in law enforcement today? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who? Okay. Yeah. It's know? necessary. I mean, it's it it's is necessary. necessary. It has to happen. Police enforcement is necessary, but the message I would say is that we should be more evolved. We should be more compassionate in our approach. And there should be more understanding towards the people we are policing, you mm. know, and, and, and the narrative, like, say, for example, when I see uh, r- people breaking in and looting and stuff, these are people that are not invested in the well-being of anyone. Mm-hmm. They're looking, they're opportunists. They look for opportunities to do that. Right. So... I can't associate with those people because I work hard every day. I try to be a builder, but with people like that, they they don't count. Right. So don't put us all in, in, in one group. One group Mm-mm. because that lessens the message. And this thing about demonization, dehumanization of people, it's it's got to stop. It has to stop. You know, and 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 so the thing about it is, I you know. Where where do you like where do you begin? That's the thing that I'm talking about. It, and I think even go back to what uh, Tiffany was saying, and you mm-hmm. were saying about well, y'all both parents. There is an essence of it that it does start at home. Like Tiffany was complimenting how you have raised your kids to be independent thinkers mm-hmm. and compassionate people. Mm-hmm. All of this starts at the home, at and home. like even goes yeah. back to like Carlos's story from Doctor Walker's story back in the beginning of his broken home and whatnot. Um, we raise 
members of society by mm -hmm. training them and teaching them and holding them to ways that are civil, respectful, loving, kind. Because if you don't have those modeled and taught to you, you're going to go out in the world. And you said something about collision course. My best friend John says this. You're in collision with everything and everyone. You're yes. at a bull in a china cabinet. Mm -hmm. yes. It's exactly what it is. And yes. It's like, and we see so many of those people who are in power in offices, as sure. yeah, in all those things. It's like, okay, we have to take responsibility, and by we, I mean culture. What are you training your children? Like I said this beautifully, uh, not beautifully. I said this well to my friend Alice. Um, her and I were texting today because today is we're recording today on the 25th, but we were speaking today like, hey, what's happened um, in the year since George Floyd? Like what changes have you made in your home or your things like she's like, oh, she has two white daughters, um, her and her husband do. And she's like, and they're both white and they have like, oh, it's important for us to bring dolls that look differently like brown dolls black dolls dolls with curly hair we have our nighttime books now have different representations different ethnicities different sexualities different genders it's like when we incorporate these things at home then you can send your kids out in the world and they've already been exposed to different so they don't have to react in a fear way when they see difference when mm -hmm. you fail to do that you're sending children out in the world who become adults who are afraid of other and when you're afraid of other what do you do you fight it mm-hmm that's, that's outstanding because that's the evolution of parenting. You mm -hmm. talk about uh, us getting better in future generations is exposing children to diversity mm -hmm. because what's happening is you're expanding their minds mm -hmm. to creativity. And that's a most healing concept because when you're able to create, even in the midst of controversy or confusion and bring the good forth from it, man, that's how gold is purified right through pressure, you know, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and through heat in the, the hammer, you know, shaping it. But when you put uh, people in at a disadvantage and make them single-minded, mm -hmm. like hatred, just hate that person, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Th that is so lame to me you know when you're exposed <laughs> to difference you don't have yeah. a choice but to interact with it which is yeah. why i thought it was so beautiful when you brought your daughter to the premiere tiffany reached out she's like can i bring my daughter i'm like oh please would be so delighted and so she got to experience something that had it not been for you first interacting with difference she might have not ever been exposed to that film mm -hmm. or uh, had the conversation with miss mcdonald or myself sure. and then inviting tony and i to her graduation party like just by you exposing her to difference to diversity you've so now opened cool. up her world and her eyes so in ways cool. just four months ago she didn't have before of and course. like that's what parents uh, that's do. so cool and and you know the thing about it is it gives her that comfort and confidence mm -hmm. and and you don't have to pretend if mm -hmm. you cool you cool you know mm -hmm. you know it ain't something that you can pretend to be yeah. in each each circle you go in you've got to be different than who you actually are mm -hmm. if you cool you can say okay i'm, mm -hmm. I'm open for the idea you absolutely. know absolutely and teaching my daughter it's she's 22 now and teaching her all throughout her high school years, just diversity and loving and no hate. And she's experienced that. Yes. I mean, she really has. And I'm so blessed to know you guys and, and 
you are her mentors too. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like we you, have a responsibility. You do. I mean, we yeah. all do. We all do. We all right. do. Uh-huh. And um, you know, she respects, and I am so I'm so pleased where she is, um, mm. in her life, and open, and her heart's open. Yes. I mean, and growing, growing. Daily. Oh, isn't that amazing? It's growing. Yeah, just having conversations yeah. with people who are diverse in their thinking, creative in their thinking, open in their thinking, mm-hmm. positive in their thinking, mm-hmm. you know, healing in their thinking. And like you said, I wrote this yeah. on earlier, like hatred is a spirit. Yeah. You know what there's a spirit as well? Being teachable. Yeah. People yes. who have a teachable spirit. Yeah. Oh, those are my that favorite cool, people right? to interact with. It's Sponge. like, yeah. yes, it's like, yeah. okay, I can learn, absorb what's good and then rinse out what's bad. Absolutely. It, it's it's so many different we phrases. We told you our conversation was going to get it's, interesting. It's okay. It's good. I know. Time is, we'll get there. We'll get We're there. But, but, you know, it's interesting. Like, life is an art. And if a person remains approachable, reachable, and teachable. Mm, love that. A-R-T, approachable, reachable, and teachable. Yeah. Y'all write it. that down if you're listening, okay? <laughs> you know, yes. that, that's the whole thing. Because uh, a lot of times the trauma causes us to wear a beware of sign. And we walk around frowning, even though we don't feel like that on the inside, but because of the trauma, we've kind of shut down mm-hmm. emotionally. And even when you're feeling good, you're wearing a beware of sign instead of a welcome sign. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by being approachable. Ooh, that's good. You know, it's not being vulnerable, you know, to mm. be approachable. It's not being vulnerable. It's just being open. Beware it, instead of welcome. Yeah, okay. it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're naive. It just means that you are approachable. Mm. That, and, and that makes a difference, you know. You know, that's actually really good because mm-hmm. there's sometimes, if I'm being honest, sometimes, because she as I talk about race mm-hmm. and uh, systemic racism and whiteness and whatnot, that um, I can have a spirit that is not approachable because mm-hmm. sometimes like it, it, it's off-putting people. It's like, oh, well, he seems really combative in this moment. And mm-hmm. so I remember last summer, I specifically after talking to my pastor, um, mm-hmm. my love is a brother of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, Henry, I felt the Lord put in my heart. You need to take a step back because right now you are not approachable. So mm-hmm. I took a step back from public teaching and platforming mm-hmm. um, or in public platforms because like, If I go out right now, people are not going to meet an approachable spirit. They're going to be afraid to interact with me because it's going to be like, oh, beware of this guy. This guy's not welcome. And so, yeah. Yeah. You have the self-awareness to realize that. I do. And I have the people in my life who will hold me to it. Exactly. It's like, hey, I mean, like my best friend, John, my best friend, or my past friend, Garrett, he'll be like, hey, bro, your -hmm. spirit right now, like the something about what you said earlier and how you said it. Just if people receive that from you, they would not get to experience the real you. And I would hate for that to happen to you. So people to misjudge you or misguide you based on who you're being right now in your angry moment. So take, why don't you take a step back and, oh, my friends will call me. Like you need people in your life who will hold you to that. That's right. So That's friend. Mm -hmm. That's friend. That's friend. And that's tough too. Uh, That is tough. I mean, Uh, that's great. It is, it is a part of the evolution process that, and I, I'm, I'm using words like the evolving and yeah, growing that. And, and that kind of thing. When I was younger, because I come from a theological background, yes. when I was younger, the word was interesting because I understood it for the word, but knowledge puffs up. 
but love edifies. Mm-hmm. And see, I had a lot of the knowledge and information, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the practical application to mm-hmm. what it meant. And so I was full of pride and and uh, just selfish in my spirit and doing all of those things. And and I ended up sabotaging my my life. And but out of that, I am much better person now. Because I know humility. I I know what pain feels like and I can recognize it. Mm. Where I used to be judgmental. Mm-hmm. Now, now there's a humility in the place. Now there's a humility. And 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 now there's a, okay, fix the man in the mirror. Mm-hmm. The world is a big place. And and they gave this analogy about the puzzle, right? Uh it was a two-sided puzzle. Uh on one side. There was the world. And on the other side, there was a man. They said, if you put the man together first, then the world will come together also. You know, and I, I think mm. about that. So I've been spending time fixing me mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to fix the world. And what a great journey it is. And you know? uh, it makes it so easy to interact with the world. It's like, okay, when yeah. I know that I'm responsible for how I show up and what I do, yes. then how I interact with the world becomes like, okay, yeah. I know what I'm responsible for, who I'm responsible to, yeah. what I can actually control and do. Yes. And I can orbit the world and interact with my world and my surroundings in a much more peaceful way. Oh, absolutely. Than if you're trying to fix everything else out of here and not looking at yourself. And, and that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and so even being here, I want you all to know it's an honor uh, to be here with you all. I thank you for your hospitality. Oh. Oh, sure. Just Just conversating. And how else would we know... Unless we did it. And right. you know, I love a spirit of humility that I'm hearing in Mr. McDonald's, y'all. If I, I wish y'all could see his face. Well, ah, we can't because we're filming this. A humble spirit. Mm. You, you can just see that. Like, he's just grateful and joyful to oh. be in the conversation, to be in the room. I know. He doesn't have to be the most important person in the room or the biggest voice or whatever. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to yeah. be here. Yeah. That's the journey. I love, love that. the word that you said, humility, because I think that just defines that I've been trying to figure out the word for me. And um, I remember you said something earlier. I've just, I think about, uh, I was just, bleh. I talked yeah. about this earlier, just this phase of my life, angry yeah. and bitter and things that happen. And now I'm humbled and just, ugh. And Embracing just, but, the experience. Exp- and, but but, on, but yeah. on the other hand, I'm like, this is who I am yeah. because I went through that. Oh, yeah. I did go through that. So the humility is is real. Oh, and absolutely. It's you know, real. What's on uh, the other side of the coin, humility is grace, and it's extending grace to yourself yes. for who you were. And when yes. you didn't know better, you can do better. When you know better, do better. But That's I right. told this to a friend of mine. We were talking about he's a black man. We were talking just before. I mean, like 15 minutes before we walked in the studio, and he reached out to me, and I'd met him some years ago. He lives in St. Louis or something, but um, he was like, "Man, I'm really mad at myself for how I was complicit in some of the ways." Um, I even helped my white church uphold racism and whatnot. And I told him, I said, you have to extend grace to the person you were four years ago that you didn't know what systems you're operating. Now that you know, go back to the table with your knowledge, with the grace you've extended to yourself and with the humility to want to do better mm-hmm. and approach that conversation that way. Right. So how in beautiful. The, in, in the, yeah. In the sum of a person, is their experiences mm-hmm. good, bad or indifferent, you know, so lessening 
the value of someone else's experience, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's putting us at a disadvantage because mm-hmm. even even though we don't always get it right, we always have the experience. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and having those conversations that are not comfortable and identifying, like said, man, I could have done that better. Yeah. You know, now I've even come to a point where I'm learning how to apologize. It's like. I'm not saying I'm sorry for anything. I said, look, I could have done that better. Mm -hmm. What could I do to make it right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a different mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, I'm sorry. Some people say, yeah, you are sorry. Mm -hmm. When you put that out there, you You are sorry. Uh You know, but so now it's more about... I could have done that better. What can I do that do to make it right? And extending that opportunity, you know, to to make it right, you know, and And things like that. Because, oh, my gosh, you just said it. I don't know why I have chills, y'all. It's actually so (laughs) nice to be back in front of a camera because I'm always used to Like, I always say I hate it, but now that I'm aware these are on, I'm just like, oh, this feels so much more like I'm actually talking to someone. That's the weird thing of a podcast. Mm -hmm. But um, the what could I have done better? So in part of... This is my, oh, I've got to share this. I'll share it in your podcast. And part of this is my story. Um, part of what I shared, I remember, I said, I remember being called the N-word at a party. And then my friend who took me asking me to leave the party. Yeah. And uh, he sent me, I have not shared this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he sent me the most beautiful apology. I mean, this was a lesson, a master's class in humility and just acknowledging what you have done wrong. So we'll keep talking while I find the text, but it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever, ever, ever seen. What phase of your life is this? This happened when I was 18. 18. And he's still in my life. We maintain friendship after the fact. Mm-hmm. Also. But it took 13 years for us to revisit the conversation fully. It took, mm. this is my story, for us to revisit the conversation mm-hmm. fully. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it I was mean, crazy. That, that's, those are those nuggets when you do something and you get it right, it's like confirmation. Yes. And, and, and that's confirmation. And what I've just taken away from that is when you allow people the opportunity to change and grow, mm-hmm. you extend that to yourself always. Yes. And then the conversation should continue, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that we, we got it right. And usually mm-hmm. the bond is made stronger mm-hmm. when that, you know, because most people... They'll they'll kick it with you when things are going well, but when, when things, things are going down going and out, down, who's gonna be there? Yeah. They're gonna yeah, that's very Can true. I share with y'all? I found okay. it. Yeah, share it. Um so yeah, like I mentioned, and this is my story. I said mm-hmm. I remember a friend of mine asking me to leave a party after I was called the N-word. <laughs> and so my friend messaged me this summer, um, or this year. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot over the past twenty-four hours about your post. It was pretty humiliating to see myself on there. And I had a lot of questions to ask myself about how I put myself in a place where I could have ended up there. It really wasn't that long ago in the big scheme of things. It was pretty embarrassing to think about what happened that night and how I reacted versus how I view myself as a person now. I don't know if it was how I was raised or where I was raised, but I generally didn't think anything of race relations for basically my whole life until college. I knew the N-word was a bad word and slavery was awful, but that was about it. Call me naive, oblivious, or maybe even I didn't see it because I didn't want to. I don't know. In college, I was. it was like being hit with a tidal wave of truth because it was there that I started to realize how different my situation is from what the world we actually live in is like. As someone who has been my friend for nearly half of my whole life, now I don't think I have to tell you that I subconsciously shut down when there's something I don't want to deal with. And while I, 
deal with. And while I can acknowledge that now, I had no idea I did that back then. I think that's what happened that night. And I was so overwhelmed with probably my first real taste of active racism. I think I just shut down and wanted to make the situation disappear so I wouldn't have to face it. I still remember feeling like that moment wasn't real life. I've never seen myself as someone who was racist, but I never understood that not being racist and being anti-racism are two very different things. And I absolutely 100% failed you, Henry, as a friend in that regard that particular night that particular night, and it's so disappointing. I'm sorry I didn't stand up for you. I'm sorry I asked you to make a thousand jealous shots for my party and didn't get to stay and enjoy them because a redneck from the fraternity I wanted to join called you the N-word. I'm sorry I asked you to leave because I was too big of a coward to say something and do the right thing. I'm sorry for all the emotions you have felt that I will never feel and understand. I'm sorry I didn't have the courage to walk away from that group that night. I'm just sorry. Please know that if there's anything I can ever do to help our current situation and help advance society, I will do it. I don't know very much about the movement, the groups, or the protests, just what I see on the news and social media. I don't know if people of color even want my help right now. All I know is that I'm tired of people of color being murdered in our streets. I meant what I said the other day. I love you, man. I've always treasured our friendship, but I'm sorry it was a one-way street in terms of the support you needed from me as a white man for you as a black man. This is one of the hardest texts I've ever ever had to find the words for. I guess I never thought I'd have to acknowledge I was an accessory to racism and was probably just as guilty as the person who called you that because I sat there and let it happen. I know you're pers I know who you are as a person, so I'm sure you have some point over the years forgiven me and prayed for that night. But I thought it was important to at least let you know I haven't forgiven myself. And I mean, what is, I mean, truly, I was like, I was like, I have chills. if that's the powerful. response to this is my story. That's powerful, if, man. Oh, that's it. That's the only that's response. I, mean, I was like, wow. And I said, Andrew, that is without a doubt one of the most powerful texts I've ever received. The humility you just displayed was a master's class in owning your past. I thank you now for modeling that for me just now. I want you to know that I forgave you so long ago. It is not something I think about when I see you or talk to you. We were kids, and even if it wasn't okay, I understand the reasons that you were in that mindset. When you know better, you do better. You're a good man, you're a kind man, and you're a man who has learned. Who would I be to hold something from 13 years ago against you? There's so much wrong in my life that I don't want to hold against me. We have been through so much together. I want you to know that I'm proud of you and I see your growth. You would never let something like that happen to me, dear brother. I know you see me and you hear me. I know you love me and that you would lay your down life for me. Christ tells us that's what love is. Please forgive yourself because that's what you can do for me. I love you completely with all my heart. I forgave you a long time ago. Wow. That's powerful, man. Powerful. Isn't that crazy? That's reconciliation yeah. and healing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's true reconciliation. And that's growth. He owned up. Yeah. Where And he's like, because when you apologize, mm -hmm. you acknowledge I was wrong here, 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 here. I want to do better here, here, here. And these are the steps I've done to make sure that never happens again here, here, mm -hmm. here, and yeah. here. Mm -hmm. That's and, it. Yeah. That's it. And that, I mean, it's crazy. And so that was one that's reaction. Powerful, yeah. Man. It's like, yeah. That's one reaction I've gotten. Tiffany, if you can share with us, what reactions or responses have you gotten from your audience just as we've engaged you know, in these? Um, I have had wonderful responses. Yeah. I mean, just fabulous responses from so many people. And I don't consider this, I don't need a medal for this at all, but to be brave like this. And, um, I, I, I'm just like, no, no, no. And I'm just blessed to know every person that ever comes on the show. And especially one that tells their stories, you know, yeah. because like we said earlier, we all have stories and, but I have received, I mean, every time you're on the show, it's oh, my gosh. ratings go. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is not true. <laughs> that is good. I mean, it, it's, it's been, 
it's been, I, I asked what I could do. And you no, did at the night of yeah. the premiere. You yeah. did, and yeah. you made it happen. Yeah. And I thank you for it, your hospitality and of just course. being open. That's all. You know, yeah. it's, it's not difficult to be human, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to right. be kind and considerate. That's... Right. You know, it's it doesn't cost anything. No. Yeah. It costs nothing to it's be kind. Free. I've always yeah. said that. It be costs kind. nothing to be kind. You it's can't go to Walmart and get a six-pack of kindness, can you? Okay. No, <laughs> you can't. You definitely yeah. can't. Yeah. You know what I've missed um, uh, now that we're demasking so yeah. slowly? I, have, um, I was challenged many years ago. Okay, so put a smile on your face and make someone smile. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it makes people uncomfortable when you mm-hmm. smile at them. And I've missed that because I really do try that even yeah. though I'm having not the best day, but I really will see someone and smile and see if they'll smile back. Yeah. And they may look away and be nervous, but they I haven't been able to do that with a mask. But yeah. now I'm yeah. smiling. Yeah, My teeth are gonna yeah. be white. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful <laughs> smile. Well guys, beautiful I smile. cannot tell you how much I appreciate you, what yeah. you've done, the changing the changes that we're making. Yes. And I, I'm just so proud of being part of your lives, and oh, yeah. I appreciate awesome. you coming to to our home here and thank you for having this. me. Thank you. Please yeah. come back. Oh, yes, right. I have thank some breaking so news about this. Is my story as well? Oh, okay. tell us. I got okay. this text. Um, okay. Oh gosh, I got this phone. Um, there it goes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so Tina, who owns Leaves Bookstore here in Fort Worth, Tina yeah. Howard, she said Granberry Theater is looking to show This Is My Story on June 19th, June 20th, and June 21st in conjunction with the showings of Miss Juneteenth. The owner is finalizing details, but if they're able, would any of you or our counterparts, I just have to read my contacts, be willing to attend and or do a Q&A after any of these dates? Let's do and it. So let's Fabulous. do it. I, 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 you know, oh, if we can, uh, like what your friend did. Yeah. And went full circle. Oh, full circle. That's the mission and the movement, man. Yeah. We want to heal. We want to oh heal, man. We Maybe I should be invite him to uh, have a conversation. Wow, would oh, that yeah. be interesting? Oh, you know, because yeah. there are some good perspectives out mm-hmm. there. But thank you all. Yeah. This has yeah. been nice. You're so and, welcome. Uh, thank I know you. Dr. Walker's not here, but Coach, thank you so much for your piece. And this uh, is my story. Yes. Um, yes. It has stayed with me. And especially as someone who has um, father wounds. Myself and Coach Walker knows my family mm-hmm. and my father. So he's seen me grow up. And so watching that was healing for me. And Ms. McDonald, thank you for your participation as a storyteller because, one, you have a gift of speaking. You truly do. And you writing. Do. That's and I could listen to you talk all day long. Oh, I really could. That's kind of likewise. <laughs> and, thank you. Uh, it's that I shared this last time on the podcast. I've shared it everywhere I go. When you said our fingerprints, no other set in the world look like them. Do you know how unique we all are? That was such a reminder that we all have value and we all matter. So thank you for that reminder. Mm-hmm. It's all good, man. I'm, yeah. I'm excited about it, man. I, I tell you this, this kind of conversation I long, I long for because we are hurting. We yeah. have been through so much, but let's become better instead of bitter. Yeah, and I think that'll give us a mission. Yeah, right? Is that good? Yes. That's it. All right, That's That's it. Tiffany. That's cool. Yes. Thank you. Thank Again, you. Like he was Thank saying, you. for the hospitality, yes. for your vulnerability and opening up for the glass of wine. Thank you. You're so welcome. And uh, I know that you might not see the impact you're having on other people, but I hear feedback as well from the podcast and these conversations, people are afraid to have for themselves, but be able to listen to someone like you who reminds them of themselves to be able to hear you engage in these hard topics and dialogues really just gives people hope and encouragement. So thank you so much you're for just so well. stepping into that space. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. We can find you how? 
Um, I'm on Instagram at Henry Abuto or Facebook at Henry Abuto or my website, henryabuto.com. Fabulous catering company as well. Oh, yeah, Biosanga, yeah. Biosanga, so. yeah. And you can find me at lejohn100 at gmail.com. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. You can find him. <laughs> I was waiting for that because he's in my generation. I love it. Oh, God. That's, that's, that's what, no, you're going to be. That'll work, right? Careful. You're going to be. You're going to start getting some email requests, okay? That's so it's funny. on now. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening today, following, and uh, watching us today. We'll be on yes. YouTube, and we're going to be on all kind of social media platforms. And thanks for following me at T- Tiffany C. Blackwood. Hey. Please rate and review this podcast. We oh, have to please. go. Gosh, get up. It's not that hard to get up in the podcast world. And everyone, be, be kind, be happy, and keep being fabulous. 